Welcome to episode 18 of the Monday Morning Podcast. In a very special collaboration with my old grief group leader, we discuss one woman's journey from data to death, Kleenex comfort and how to make someone cry over Zoom, and how to win friends and influence people as a support group facilitator. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, welcome back to welcome episode back. 18 yep. of the Monday Morning Podcast. We're we adults. We have a special <laughs> guest today, and you're going to hear her in the intro. So we're just going to do our little <laughs> grief group intro. And Jana, when it's your turn, spoiler, it's Jana. Um, <laughs> just, just drop what you drop. My name is Harry Vigo John Jensen, full name. <laughs> And oh uh, my father died of a big boatload imported <laughs> shipment of metastatic cancer uh, mm. right to his Bo- colon, lungs, lymph nodes, you name it, you name it. And <laughs> they had an outpost on uh, uh-huh. January 5th, 2017, Anno Domini, you know? Yeah. So Hi, Harry. I'm sorry. Oh, that's yeah. okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh, my name is Gabby. My mom died on September 3rd, 2016. And she got a big a big package right to the, the liver, the lungs, the bones. More uh, cancer. My it's favorites. just cancer. Don't forget again. about the brain. Oh, and later, a little dessert was the brain. <laughs> so a little uh-huh. treat. Kind of the cherry on top. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, that's my story. Nice. <laughs> my name's Madison, and my mother <laughs> died September 3rd, 2016 as well, because Gabby and I are sisters by blood. Um, <laughs> and my mom by liked blood. to ride roller coasters, and her last roller coaster was, it, it was called the Metastatic Mega Plunge, and Ooh. she... She plunged uh, after some chemo corkscrews. She plunged six oh. feet in the ground. So I like this alliteration. Oh <laughs> thank you. I love alliteration, actually. So thank you. Wow. And that's Ma- my story. Madison, I'm so sorry. Uh, thanks thank for coming. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. Yeah. It's okay. All right. And our guest. Well, that is like no grief group I have ever facilitated. <laughs> And for an opening uh-huh. circle in terms of more uh, alliteration and entertainment uh, with our stories. So, uh, uh-huh. Am I allowed to pass? Is that a, a valid answer in this grief group intro? Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I won't. Totally I was pass. just wondering if I could, but oh. I won't. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a lot of peer pressure in this grief group. But, uh, <laughs> passing is, is totally an We're option. We're oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm Jana DeCristofaro, and I work at Dougie Center. And I'm the community response program coordinator there. And I, too, could tell you a cancer story, but I won't. I'll tell you a different story. So when I was 15, my grandmother died. She was hit and killed by a subway train across the street from her house in Brooklyn, New York. And we never found out if it was suicide or an accident or if somebody pushed her. So I always assumed it was suicide. Come to find out Mm -hmm. that's not the same story as everyone in my family, which makes for some awkward um, holiday gatherings. So... I learned mm. to just sort of keep that to myself, my assumption that yeah. it was suicide, but we never found out. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, wow. Thank you for sharing, Jana. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. That is. And our condolences. Yeah. Didn't know and that. And our condolences. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the fun thing about this is that Harry knows Jana and Maddie and I don't. <laughs> yeah. So we're uh-huh. really diving right in there. <laughs> so I guess that kind of would bring us to like the first kind of question Jana runs a grief group and we kind of just wanted to know like I guess your journey to like getting to that place and how like I guess your grief journey overall to like death and then (laughs) running a grief group I'm curious about that (laughs) not your death not yet that would be a really interesting story (laughs) if I could tell you how I died and then I came back to run grief groups (laughs) (laughs) no it's a great it's a good question Um, People ask all the time, and I wish I had a really great, like, meaningful story of how I grew up always knowing that I wanted to, you know, work with others who were grieving and support them and and help make the world a better place for sad, grieving people. But it didn't work like that at all. I totally stumbled into being in this field. I got my master's degree in social work with the idea of being your sort of classic outpatient therapist 
which I didn't know what that was because up until that point, I had never actually gone to therapy. Note, mm-hmm. it's like you mm-hmm. should probably do the thing you think you want to do before you'd go study to do the thing you think you want to do. And then like I was firefighters like, firefighters should see a fire before they yeah, really yeah. put the boots on. Or yeah. at least put their hand over a hot stove or something. Right. Like yeah. I didn't know what yeah, I was doing. Right. Yeah. So I quickly found out like, Ooh, I do not think I should be a therapist because it seems like you're supposed to know what people are like supposed to do with their life. And I don't know what I'm doing with mm-hmm. mine. So I finished school and I was like, you know what? I should just do data because numbers are easier than people. Mm-hmm. And then about, I don't know, four or five months into having a job as a data person, whatever that means, I was like, ooh, I am bored. And I just spent all that money on school. And I'm not <laughs> like everything about my my vital life force is leaking out of my fingertips into this spreadsheet that I'm working on. So a friend of mine that oh. I gone to grad school with was like, hey, you know, you should check out this place. I don't know. It's called the Doey Center or the Doggy Center, or the Dewey <laughs> Center. Like, I don't really know what it is, but... They came and did a presentation for my graduate school class and there's kids and there's crying and teddy bears. I don't know. I just feel like it's a good place for you You should call them up. I was like, great. This seems like an amazing (laughs) endorsement. So I wasn't really sure about crying kids and teddy bears and what that said about me, but I did call them up and they were like, oh, funny enough, we just had a cancellation for our next volunteer training. Would you like to join us? And I was like, I guess so. I don't even know what you do, but yes, sign me up. So I took the volunteer training and within the first hour of the training, I was like, oh, there, this is, this is what I want to be doing. Like there's a way to work Mm. with people that isn't about helping them figure out how to change what they think, feel, or do. I just want to create this space for people who have sad things they're carrying. People in their lives have died and I can just create that conversation for them or create an opportunity for them to talk. So long story, volunteer, blah, 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 job comes open. Shockingly, they hire me 19 years ago this May. I started and been there ever since. And I run groups for kids who are 6 to 12, teens, 13 to 18, and then the young adult groups. That's how Harry and I met. Uh, We've got groups for folks who are 18 to 25 and people who are 26 to 40. Um, And lots of other groups too, but those are the ones I'm primarily involved in. So there was no, no intention, no conscious thought to growing up to be the death lady, as my friends call me. Just was. <laughs> it was like An the honorific. Yeah, it was like the one social work job I found that I didn't hate, and I was like, "All right, I'll, I'll do this for the rest of my life." Yeah. Wow. <laughs> nice. I, well, that I, really worked out. <laughs> well, my first my first question is, um, I didn't know that you were um, considering being like a one on one therapist uh, before, and what you said that sort of piqued my interest was that you feel I think you said that you there's less of a a pressure to help like guide people in their lives in a grief group um or like help them make decisions is could you talk a little bit more about what you were saying there and the difference between what you imagine therapy to be in terms of knowing what you want to do in your life and then the the grief group dynamic that you're in Yeah. So, I mean, I did eventually go to therapy because note self again, once you do this work, you should probably do some therapy too. So I did that. Now I know what happens behind the closed door and (laughs) they don't tell people what to do as much as I imagine, but they do come up with some really helpful suggestions and advice, which I'm always in awe of. Um, Mm. But for me, the Dougie Center and the groups that we provide, they're, they're peer support groups. So it's all about creating community of the people who are coming to the group. So it's getting folks like the three of you in a room and you supporting each other. So the ideas and the suggestions come from you all, not from me as any sort of like leader or expert. My job is really about creating the environment so that process can happen. Less about generating Mm -hmm. the content that people are talking about. Um, Now, people call us on the phone and they want suggestions for how to support their kids or what they should do on the one year anniversary. And so I'm always happy to share with people some ideas and suggestions, but it doesn't feel the same setup as someone coming in expecting more of a direction or format or guidance in that way. So I would say that's the Mm -hmm. biggest difference is that it's a peer support group, not a therapy group or a therapist led group. I'm really there to hand out the tissues, make sure we end on time Mm -hmm. and pour the (laughs) M&Ms into the bowls. And now in Zoom land to like start the meeting. That's that's Mm -hmm. basically my job. Yeah. And I can I can verify at Janice uh, grief groups. There are so many tissues. You could just take a nap (laughs) in those Kleenex. It it is it is a nice, soft environment. 
Well, and Harry, I mean, that'd be a question for you of, of someone who's done both peer support and individual therapy of like what you noticed the difference was. Well, I guess, you know, and this was sort of a, uh, a, a question I had for you as well, but one thing that I really appreciate about grief group is, um, versus therapy is therapy is so much about oneself and one's own story and sort of, um, looking at your own mythology and decomplicating it and taking it apart and looking at it and in a peer to peer support environment, I mean, it was the, the main difference is I got to listen and that was part of the, uh, if you will, like the therapeutic benefit. Like I would love if I had a therapist who just talked for 40 minutes about <laughs> how his life was ass. Um, you know, that that would be great. And because there would be sessions, you know, especially in bigger groups where, um, you know, I wouldn't say much more than my intro, but I would still leave with like this this sense of healing and this sense of community and being seen even without saying saying anything um mm. so i i would say that 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 was the biggest difference for me uh you do have more kleenex in my therapist because now i'm over zoom and <laughs> i don't provide any <laughs> kleenex for myself um but but yeah i oh it's definitely it's definitely the listening that that is so that is so healing and i can see that you know as your role as a facilitator to facilitate people being able to connect with each other as, as something so valuable. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that. I hadn't, I don't think anyone's ever put it in those words before of how powerful it is to just listen. I mean, I know the idea of like knowing I'm not alone and other people are going through things, something similar, but the actual process of sitting and taking in other stories and in a way having understanding more about your story and reflection to someone else's, that's really powerful to know. So thanks. Well, something I always say to Gabby, because me and Gabby have been, you know, like best friends for the last five or year, five years or so, and she'll mirror this, but uh, it's always been known that, oh, I'm so glad that your mom is dead, Gabby. Um, and we'll <laughs> say that to each other because you just get to listen, like you pick up the phone and someone's like, oh my God, it's not going well. And I'm like, oh, thank Lord. Thank yeah, the Lord. Yeah. Thank the Lord that's when we're out both there. struggling. It's like a relief. We're like, oh God, I was worried you were going to be crushing how healed and just <laughs> so over daddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is so nice. I, it, I haven't actually been to a grief group. Maddie, you haven't either, right? No, I've never been to a grief group. Um, but we, Maddie goes to Al-Anon, and I've dabbled a little bit in Al-Anon too, which is like obviously the same like group dynamic. And I think there is something so cool, like the times I've gone to like just listen. Like it's almost nice to not have the pressure to share in a way. Like I feel like if you have a therapist, it's like you're like, what am I going to say for 45 fucking minutes? <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> but, like, there's something really nice about there's, like, no pressure, and you're kind of just, like, a fly on the wall. But then you can, like, see your experience in other people's shares, and then you leave, like, feeling lighter somehow anyway, even though you didn't say anything. Yeah, it's I was going to comment on Al-Anon because it's, like, kind of like a 12-step program that's like adapted from Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I sound like I'm giving the spiel, but... Uh, <laughs> we have pamphlets, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have pamphlets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I was hearing a lot of similarities um, between kind of like there's no like leader, like there's no dominance necessarily. Like it's just kind of, it's a self-sufficient, like self-sustaining group where like really the value is in the community and hearing what other people's stories are what other people have to say and oftentimes I don't share you know really the value is in like listening and it's a great tool honestly to help me listen better um but I'm curious like what is like the format of like the meetings like what do they look like what's the the structure well it's a good it's a good question about that because as you were talking I was like actually Dougie Center groups are very actively facilitated but the goal in our active facilitation is to have the facilitation not be noticed. So, mm-hmm. you know, in nice. a way where, yeah. cause, cause it takes some work to create an atmosphere where people truly can be heard 
and listen without all of the flim flam riffraff stuff that happens when you're out in the world and you're talking about your grief and then all that stuff Mm -hmm. happens right like people have a lot to say and they've got reactions and they want to tell you what to do or don't feel the way you feel or they give you some like Mm -hmm. well at least blah 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 blah. so we work really hard at Dougie Center to like eradicate that stuff Mm -hmm. so that it's truly telling of the story and the hearing of the story without all of that intermediary junk that happens Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. So, but your question was like, what does a group look like? And in the, uh, so we do, we follow the same format every single time. Dougie Center started in 1982 and I'm pretty sure we've had the same format since then. A few updates Mm. here and there, you know, like system upgrades Mm -hmm. and things like that. But in general, we make time for uh, what we call opening circle, which is what you all do Mm. at the beginning of your piece of like, who are you? How old are you? Who died (laughs) and why? We um, copyright infringed that, so yes. sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> we share that part freely. Right, Later uh-huh. on, there's like the secret code word. I won't tell you that part. Um, mm. And depending on the age of the kids, right? Like, so the three to five-year-olds, they share their name, their age, who died and how they died sometimes, and then they sing a mm. song. The young adults, mm. they basically say that no song. Um, kids and teens will invite them to maybe answer a question or tell us a high and low from the last couple of weeks. We're trying to generate more mm. conversation with them. With young adult age, that 18 to 40, we like to keep that opening really short because if you start, people will just talk. We won't get anywhere. Okay. We'll just take, you know, first yeah. five people will take up the whole hour and a half. So it's like you get to say your name, who died and how they died. That's it. Don't say anything else. Okay. Then yeah. we open it up for a conversation and that the conversation is really generated by who's there that night. So I always come prepared mm-hmm. with a topic, whether it's like mm, the seasons are changing, like spring is occurring here. I don't know if spring is occurring in the cold lands of where you all live, mm-hmm. um, but it's happening. It's it is, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> 82. Yeah, sorry. Okay, I'm you have more excited. spring than we do. It's only like 55 here. So. <laughs> <laughs> but springtime, is a, it's a big uh, grief activator for people because yeah, a lot of times it's like winter, everyone's cold and staying inside and kind of miserable, and then springtime hits, at least yeah. here, and it's like, woo, it's like time to party and see people and do stuff and make plans, and for a lot of folks who are grieving, it's very uh, jarring to have that happen. Still um, winter. Totally. Yeah. Right, like the never-ending winter of grief, I still have never-ending winter, emotional winter, and you all are yeah. having yeah. never-ending spring break. It's like not, it's not a great combo. And and this year yeah. with the pandemic, I think that's just going to get exacerbated. So anyways, that could be a topic maybe, and but it's usually whatever people want to bring up. And we end up talking about the anniversary of when the person died, upcoming events, uh, hard things that are happening with family members who are still alive, dating, work, mm. like, you know, all the normal mm. stuff that people would talk about in that age range, plus and dead people, you know. So, like, how does uh-huh. that affect that? So that's yeah, talk, yeah. talk, 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 talk. And then we always save time at the end for two very specific closing rituals because, uh-huh. one, Grief is unpredictable as all get out. And so we need something predictable in our life. So we know every time Jan is going to cut us off and then we're going to do these two things. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we're going to pass around a tray of candles and we get to light a candle for anyone or anything on our mind. And then we're going to mm. share one thing that we're looking forward to in the next couple of weeks every single time. Um, because it also allows us to move a bit from that like ripped open heart space pack that back up a little bit into our headspace, mm-hmm. forward thinking, hearing from other people, grounding us before we leave group and go off into the wilderness. And yeah. we do all the same stuff over Zoom, although we do not pass the tray of candles. That's mm. a little tough in the uh-huh. remote land, but we do still, we do candle lighting. Uh-huh. It's just most people are like, here's my plant candle. Here's my chapstick <laughs> yeah. candle to just hold up whatever they uh-huh. have nearby. So, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Wow, so that's, that's for the beautiful. young adults. The kids, they play, so they have a lot of time Mm. to go use our different expression rooms when they were meeting in person. I don't know what they do now. I think they just play on screen or something. The groups are real short for the kiddos now. Um, Mm. Because we know for kids, talking is not usually their first outlet. They need other Mm. ways to express themselves. So do adults, but we don't have time and space for everybody to go play. So the kids get to go play during their group. Did I answer your question? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that was great. Yeah. So I'm I curious, what is, well, I, I do have a follow-up question. So is it like a conversation happening or is it like people talk for like a specific amount of time and it's like shares kind of? Yes, is the answer because both of those things at the same time. I think it's different. Okay, I okay. haven't been to a 12-step meeting like Al-Anon or AA or NA. 
Yeah. I, but I know that in those groups, it's very much like you talk and then you're done talking and nobody talks about your talking. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Doggy center is a little bit more free flowing and that's why we need to have that active facilitation. So right, right. maybe, you know, Harry would start the group and say, Hey, I had this thing come up in my life. I want to share about that. Talk, talk, talk. And then I would say, Oh, so that's what you just talked about. And then <clears throat> does anyone else connect to that? And then someone else mm-hmm. might share like, Oh yeah, that's similar to how it happened to me or Whoa, that's totally different than how it happened to me. So there uh-huh. is commentary, but more from a connection and less from a opinion giving. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. that's, I like that. I like that format a lot. I think that's great. Cause sometimes it can feel a little bit isolating. There is like so many strict rules around like crosstalk is what it's called. And it's like, you know, sometimes it's like, I would love to know what people think about what yeah. I'm saying. Like, can I, I'm like, hello, can anyone like give me a little follow up here? Um, so I like that. That's really great. And I see, yeah, why you would need like to have like kind of an active facilitator there. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I love hearing about the candles. I think that's like a wonderful visualization and kind of like iconography for, I don't know, death. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. No, that's great. Honestly, it's it's really nice to hear that like, the things that we talk about on this podcast, well, since I haven't been to a grief group, like the things we talk about and the issues we experience like are common. Like I I know I'm not alone, but it's like refreshing to hear that like this is what people in a grief group also think about. <laughs> like when spring yeah. is coming and you're right. like, oh my God, <laughs> like, yeah. or like whatever. Like we always, we talk about the holiday season and how like, we're in the summer, like, oh, God, the holidays are coming up. <laughs> and it can just make you feel, like, really, I don't know, like, you're really weird. And it's nice to hear that, like, that's what a grief group would entail. <laughs> because right. these experiences... It's like and spring, anyone? Yeah. The feelings, <laughs> like, like, it feels really irrational in a way. And it's it's validating to hear that, like, <laughs> a group of people are just like, ah, spring. <laughs> like... There's a big difference between knowing cognitively that you're not alone. Like, you know, there's other people your age with dead people, but there's Mm -hmm. a big difference in terms of sitting in a room of other people who have all had someone die and experiencing and feeling that you're not alone. Like it's just, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. there's something really um, powerful about that. Definitely. Speaking of like sitting and experiencing, um, you know, other people in a room, I mean, I can I I have like sort of an a, a somatic like a bodily memory of of grief group because <laughs> I don't know there's just something about because of all the Kleenex I was touching uh but no there's, <laughs> there's 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 some kind of this is a little woo woo but there's some kind of like emotional energy of being in a room with people who are listening to you or like together in that kinship um mm-hmm. so I, I'm wondering what kind of uh, just just because I'm like really curious about this, um, what kind of feedback you've gotten or like what things you've noticed as you've had to transition to, you know, like Zoom group? Um, because I mean, I've like this is I, I, I wonder if it's sort of the same thing, but, um, you know, I do stand up and I've done some like open mics on Zoom and there is this sort of difficulty with um in performance or like any kind of thing where it's usually a group of people where there's like a disconnect Mm -hmm. um and you know you're not quite in the same room and there there's like a little bit of a little bit of warmth lacking um but yeah like how have, have there been any like new challenges or things you've had to do to adapt as you've moved online like any actual changes or slight adjustments you've made to your grief group style or maybe even some things that people have shared with you that were surprising or common as you've uh, transitioned to virtuality? Well, I would say bandwidth is the biggest challenge with Zoom land groups, <laughs> right. like literal bandwidth of the internet. <laughs> where, you yeah. know, people are like freezing yeah. and then they're like, are you done? And someone else was talking and are you still there? Can mm. you hear it? You know, just all of that. That's like, uh. that's challenging. But there's an emotional bandwidth capacity and a um, cognitive bandwidth capacity, I think, when you're doing online group for the leader and for the people coming to group because there's a lot of the folks especially young adults and teens and now kids they've been online all day already and so Mm -hmm. to sign on to grief group in that way there's no transition there it just doesn't feel different the way it would feel to come to the building 
walk through right. the doors, go up the stairs, make a cup of tea. Like there's just right. so many little everyday rituals that help your body and your heart and your spirit know like I'm at grief group, which I think mm-hmm. now people are probably building in their own things, but it's, it's just not the same. And I was just yeah. talking with Dr. Amber Nelson. She's a professor at George Fox University. She was a recent guest on, on the Grief Out Loud podcast. And she was talking mm-hmm. about the actual physiology of being in a room with other people and mirror neurons mm. and how, right. you know, we, our nervous systems regulate, co-regulate with other people. It's just being in a room and like matching our breathing with other people, not consciously, but you're just like, you know, inspiration and exhalation mm-hmm. together. So that is totally. very different in Zoom land. So hmm. there's your biological answer to your woo-woo question about that, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bringing it back to science. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in terms of format, I will say, I think... I don't know if this is true for everybody I work with, but I feel like I'm having to facilitate much more actively in Zoom land for this Mm. (laughs) this really concrete issue where in grief group, you sit in a circle or you sit in a square. So you actually know Mm -hmm. whose turn it is to go next because we go in a circle. Mm. You get on Uh Zoom, everyone squares in a different order. We were like, how are we going to figure out who goes next? And so we have to give people numbers, which feels a bit like preschool. Mm. And trying to remind, you know, just like, there's just that, that's hard. Um, and then there's the added thing of the chat. So, oh, yeah. you know, in group you listen <laughs> and you talk and no one's making comments, but people are commenting in the chat section, which I uh-huh. think is really helpful for some folks who aren't as comfortable uh, sharing with their voice. They're much more comfortable sharing yeah. in the chat. So I appreciate it, but it's almost like parallel groups are happening. Um, mm. And sometimes people are mm. private messaging me, which makes it very hard to like read their message and respond oh, yeah. while looking like I'm listening to oh, people. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's like someone's passing your notes. Exactly. And, yeah. I, and I'm like, okay, I have to mute my mic so they don't hear my keyboard clacking. And then I unmute the mic. Yeah. But then it's so it's it's oh, wow. it's created this like bifurcation that has to happen as a facilitator. Um, and I think for folks who knew what in-person group was, like they'd experienced it and now they're doing virtual, I think it's both easier and harder because they can feel back into that muscle memory, like you had said, of a visceral memory of being in group. They're like, okay can feel that. And now I'm doing it weird right. land. And there's people who are brand new, so they, uh, they don't know any better, but they also have never had that experience. So I'd be curious yeah. to hear once we go back to in-person, like what the data fallout is of that. Um, I know for oh, me, back to data, back to, back data. to data, you know, yeah. I love my numbers. Yeah. yeah. And I, one thing I will say is I can't feel people in Zoom land very well. And so my colleague and I noticed that we are like, as we're facilitating, we're getting closer and closer and closer to the screen (laughs) where at some point in group, all you see probably is just my forehead. Cause I'm like, (laughs) what are you, what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's been interesting on my part where I'm like, I'm really trying to feel this computer, which is not working. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. I experienced something similar in an Al-Anon meeting. I f- like noticed that like it was just my face taking up the screen, and I was like, I was yeah, I'm just trying to like get as close as possible to the people <laughs> as I can, and it just doesn't work. Um, Not working. But the other yeah. the other thing we did have to change is you know I said our closing ritual is one thing we're looking forward to. Well, when the pandemic first hit, we were like, that's an impossible question to ask. Uh, people were like, I, I don't even know. I have no idea. So we added in. You can say one thing you're looking forward to or one thing that's currently helping. And what I've Mm. noticed over the last year and a couple of months is the ratio of what's helping to what we're looking forward to. The people who, which one they pick is starting to shift. Like we've moved back Mm. into most people are saying what they're looking forward to where last spring it was all what's one thing and that's helping. So that, that's been noticeable. Um, I feel like there was one other thing that feels really different. There's not as much of that conversation that you were asking about, Madison, of like, do people bounce off of each other? The folks who have only done virtual definitely don't do that as much as the folks who remember what it was like to have that kind of conversation. It's definitely more like Mm -hmm. one box at a time is talking to the group Mm -hmm. and then we move on to the next person. But that's just the way it is in Zoom land. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. Oh, oh, I was just going to say that I imagine, too, that. I mean, one of the great parts about group was after group, um, where we would all huddle downstairs and sort of chit chat, um, which is something that I've heard a similar struggle to people who are in college right now and taking classes is um, it's 
you know, one of the great parts about group is like some of the friendships you might be lucky enough to make outside of it. And I, I, I bet with not having any like breakaway rooms that it's more difficult to, to make those connections. Because there was one of the great things about Dougie is that it was, a, or a group of any kind, is that in normal times, non-pandemic-y times, it is like this sort of um, emotional foster home in a way. You get to go there, and it's a different, like, little safe place. Um, and I imagine that, like, I know from, like, doing therapy in my room that when the lines get broken down and your room becomes, like, your therapy place, it gets... <laughs> A little vis- <laughs> viscerally confusing. You're like, oh, I'm in, I'm in bed again. This isn't good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Maddie? Oh well, I was just gonna say because there is, you know, because you are not in a room and like sharing energetically with one another. Is there l- like less crying? I've heard so much about the tissues. Like, is there less crying? Have you noticed? I don't know. I'd be curious. That's a good question. now i wish i had tracked that after every group how much crying data gotta get that data (laughs) yeah um i I don't think there's a difference in the amount of crying Mm. but i don't know if that's true (laughs) in this moment Mm. i think so um Mm -hmm. and and harry this this might be something you remember but i feel like when people are new to group that's when most of the crying happens. And then over time, less crying unless there's like a significant thing that's happening. And I feel like the same thing's happening now, except that some people will turn their camera off. So I'm not actually sure if they're crying or their screen freezes. Uh I'm really not sure what's happening. So. Oh, wow. That's like, that's like putting a bag on your head. I wish I could have done that. A lot of sessions (laughs) just just hid, but I I, I think that's probably true. I, I think that, if, if I remember correctly, I'm just thinking of some faces that um, when you first come to gr- grief group, like you'll cry at other people's stories. I think that was true mm. for me. Um, and then if you know you were to ask me to talk, I would just erupt into this hot fountain of mess. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it was it was the listening to other people's stories and just I think sometimes you can get so like used to your own story. It doesn't um, activate your emotion sometimes. And then listening mm-hmm. to someone else's, it's like going down a different ski slope and like seeing all mm. the trees again, being like, oh, God, this is steep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a black diamond. Yeah, it is it's a, a black, black diamond. diamond. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's. It's just so weird how much like things have changed this last year, like all of the adaptations. But I'm glad that like we're still managing uh, the griefies mm-hmm. still need. We still need this community. <laughs> and yeah. like I haven't managed to actually. I mean, I haven't looked for a couple of years, but here in New York, like I wasn't able to really find any grief groups. Surprisingly, I haven't looked in a while, but I should probably do that again. But I think that's part of the reason we like started this podcast was just to like kind of scream into the void of like (laughs) our club that we've made. Um, And it's just like, I don't know, there's just something so strange about like the community. We kind of talked about this on one of our episodes, I think, but like it's weird. Like if you hear someone else has a dead parent or whatever, like you're immediately kind of bonded and like it's kind of unspoken and I just think like it's so beautiful that there's like a room full of people that are just like we're all in this and (laughs) we're talking about it like Mm -hmm. I think that's amazing I need to get to a grief group this podcast (laughs) isn't enough I'm wondering (laughs) because it because it is on zoom now like is can anyone access the the like your group or I wish that was true. I know. I wish that was true. Um, We did have that conversation at the beginning. And for a lot of reasons, um, some of them are around licensing issues of not Mm. being able to have people who are from different states. Even though Uh we're not doing therapy, there was some concern about that and also just our capacity. So right now we we have three different groups for folks who are young adults, one for 18 to 25 and two for 26 to 40. And there Mm. are... 25 to 30 people on each list 
for each of those groups. And that's just people mm. who live in the Portland metro area. So if we were to open it up to outside of that, we just couldn't, <laughs> yeah. we couldn't serve that many people because I would say, thankfully, about half of those 35 show up for each group because on Zoom, I mean, in person, 18 to 20 was absolute max in terms of what's yeah. feasible. And on mm-hmm. Zoom, anything more than 12 to 15 is just... 10's ideal, but like 15 people in those tiny little boxes trying to create community and conversation is really, really tough. So it's, it's really a capacity issue. Um, mm-hmm. there are programs similar to Dougie Center all around the country and the world. I, yeah. not that many of them provide groups for young adults, which is something mm-hmm. that we're mm-hmm. are hoping will change. Uh, there is an organization called the dinner party and they host more casual. Oh yeah. Yeah. Meetups for young adults who are grieving over Mm. dinner and I think they're doing them over zoom right now so they're not as facilitated as a Dougie Center group but it is an opportunity for young adults all around the country and the world to at least be with those other people who know what they're going through yeah beggars can't be choosers here uh we'll take what we can get um so I have a question just kind of regarding you know your 19 years now uh working at the Dougie Center like if you could just kind of touch on like have you seen any like commonalities or similarities in people's journeys with grief? Like is, are there like certain things that you hear a lot or I don't know. What do I hear a lot? Grief sucks. I'm sad. (laughs) Grief doesn't act the way I thought it was going to act. As soon as I think I know how grief's going to act, it doesn't anymore. It does something different. So grief is really unruly and that makes me very mad. (laughs) Um, grief is exhausting in a way I never Mm. knew I could be this tired on every single level. Oh God. Um, people don't get it. Friends and family, they're trying to be Mm. nice. They're trying to be supportive, but oof, they miss the mark a lot. Yeah. It's not their fault. It's just what happens. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, work is not set up to support people who are grieving. School is mm-hmm. not always set up to support people who are grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to go on a date. When do I tell them I have a dead person? Is that like <laughs> right the <away>. intro? <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. My person's dead. Or do I wait uh, six months and then really freak them out later? Like there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of, when do I tell housemates? When do I tell dating people? When do I tell my new workmates? about Uh, this story because I think when you're a kid and a teen you don't have as much control over who knows your narrative because your adults mm -hmm. and your caregivers are telling your teachers and then it just gets around but as a young adult you have a little bit more autonomy and control over that and there's um, a lot of deliberation that comes with that autonomy and control that can be very confusing and overwhelming Um, totally and you know the basic ones of grief's different for everybody Mm. grief has no timeline you want it to end right now but it's not going to you think you're going to feel really bad on this day, but then you don't. And that's confusing because you spent two weeks planning to feel really bad on that day and then didn't act like yeah. you were planning to. Oh, classic. Hi, Jana, yeah. Jana, if you're mark. not careful, if you're not careful, you're going to sum up the entirety of our podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I, I was we're so unoriginal suddenly. I, I read, uh, you know, I started my own grief group, which ended up just being me and one other person a few times. But I started my own <laughs> grief group at my college, and in the process of that, I read the available literature that the Dougie Center has for, like, volunteer facilitators, like assistant facilitators. So I read your your book of tricks. No, um, but <laughs> I read up on, on those things, and then I, I actually sort of use them in regular conversation and I observed what you would do in facilitation. Like there's one thing that I do now where if someone's telling me something and then they stop or like, you know, if it's something like deep and they stop or they're, they're sort of struggling, like I'll sort of state back what they said. Like, oh, it's like I'm feeling like really like torn up about my dad dying and then you know they'll stop and i'll be like so it's been like really hard since your dad passed and then they'll keep talking um and i i found it like super useful and helpful and a great way to like you know uh connect with people and i'm wondering if there's anything like that that you know has changed your like one-on-one relationships or like your you know non-professional 
dynamics that you've learned through being a facilitator? Because they're like very mm-hmm. different social roles, but I imagine that there's some, you know, uh, s- some of them are like emotionally pragmatic still um, in both realms. So if there's anything that you've you've learned or yeah, um, techniques that uh, have translated <laughs> into just ways that you interact with with others. Uh, I think it's actually messed everything up because (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not how people have out there in the real world, quote unquote, conversations at all. And so it's made it hard for me to figure out like, what is the rhythm of a regular conversation and what is it like to have Mm. a back and forth in a way that's not without feeling so anxious that I didn't, that I missed something or I didn't give that person enough time to talk or did I switch it too fast? (laughs) Like it's really hard to turn that off in regular conversations. Uh. Um, Mm. I think I do use that idea of like kind of giving back what somebody has said in a little bit different way. So you don't sound like you're saying exactly what they said, but a lot of my close people are onto that. So they get very annoyed with (laughs) me if I do it. Oh my gosh. It's my go-to coping in a stressful situation. Like, Oh, you're saying, and they're like, don't do that thing. I know what you're doing. (laughs) So I have to get very secret, like uh, creative about how I do that. Cause it is a valuable uh-huh. skill to like, I think about it. Like mm-hmm. if there's a train, well, my grandmother got hit by a train. I'm going to tell you train <laughs> analogy, but I'm going to, so you're on this train, <laughs> horse. trains okay. going down the tracks. And mm-hmm. when you're talking to somebody, they can like change the, the track, right. Of the conversation so easily. They're like, Oh, and we're going to go mm-hmm. down this track. And then you didn't find out what happened if you went all the way down this other track. And other times people just throw stuff on the tracks, like sticks or rocks or things that just could interrupt the train's <laughs> uh-huh. forward motion. And so I think about those conversational skills as one, not throwing the sticks down there in the first place. But if a stick gets thrown, like how do I how do I make the stick parallel so the train can keep mm. going? Um, mm. It has made conversations in groups very stressful for me because I'm so aware of when someone got cut off, somebody got misunderstood, they oh. weren't fully heard. Uh-huh. I'm like, ha, ha can we go back? I feel like we missed something over there. So like we need to reverse the train. Yeah. Uh-huh. What are you talking about? Or, you or, guys are throwing <laughs> sticks everywhere. Get your sticks out. And ooh, I get so mad when people are bad listeners to me. Like I'll just stop mm. talking. Like I've no, my patience for oh, bad yeah. listening is really limited. So I think it's made me more antisocial than I was going into social work school, honestly. Uh. Um, but I will say volunteers who use these skills and aren't using them 40 hours a week at their job have found significant improvements in their capacity to be there for other people and show up for friends Mm. and family and coworkers the way they want to. Like they feel more in integrity with who they want to be in the world. So I'm really glad for that. And hopefully people who are participants also leave with a little bit better grounding and, and how to listen without immediately switching it through commentary or opinion or advice or platitudes or things like that. Oh totally. no! I, I'm just thinking about how everyone's going to catch on now. <laughs> my, 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 my repetition strategy. You just I, outed yourself. I I, I never did. noticed. I really did. So if you were doing that to me, it's been working. I. <laughs> oh, Gabby. You, so you're. So you've never picked up on that. No. <laughs> <laughs> What you're saying is. That's what you're saying. <laughs> that is what I just said. Yeah. You're so you're saying listener. that's what you just said. Okay. Okay. All right. I did have someone once come through volunteer training. They had come to the Dougie Center as a teenager and they came back as a young adult to be a volunteer. And we were teaching them about, you know, how we run groups and those different skills. And then they said, they never did that in my group. And I was like, mm. oh, they never did that in your group? Mm-mm, no, I never noticed them doing that. I was like, oh, you never really noticed them doing that. She's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure my whole school years here, nobody did that. I was like, two whole years, nobody did that. And then finally, like, wow, they were like, years. oh, I get it. Uh-huh. They're like, they were doing it the whole time. I just never noticed. So we do try to be You're very like, um, mm. finessed about it. Yeah, that's sneaky. Yeah, it's sounds definitely like sneaky. it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm like, how many times has this been done to me? Um, <laughs> well, now I'm like, I need to incorporate this. I think that's a great way to communicate like empathetically. And I think, I don't know if this was your experience, but I feel like if you're not kind of getting that in, you know, like kind of more surface level interactions, it would kind of feel disheartening. Like, oh, I'm kind of used to this like deeper level of communication. And if you're not getting that kind of feeling like, Ugh, I don't know if I'm getting, you know, I don't know. But like, you know, just setting realistic like, 
realistic expectations with perhaps people that do not have those types of communication skills. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, well, I found yeah. that doing doing that um, helps me practice like, I don't know, uh, it helps people talk, but it also helps me like slow down and be like, okay, mm-hmm. do I actually understand what this person said before I vault right. into my <laughs> own experience, which might be totally unrelated? Yeah. Because the first impulse for me, at least, is always to like share something similar. Mm-hmm. And you might mm-hmm. you might share something that isn't similar or the other person doesn't like understand like how it is similar because you haven't explained what you think they're saying and you right. haven't explained what you're sharing anecdotally. Mm-hmm. Um, Thus like invalidating kind of what they're saying or like almost minimizing what they just told you in a way. I don't know. Yeah, or you're yeah you're you've already decided what it is, and now you're taking it up a level or something mm-hmm. like yeah. that. <laughs> you know, it's like oh yeah, that means that my dad is dead and I'm sad. It's like right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was yeah. about it was about it was about my uncle, but uh, close <laughs> enough. <laughs> close <Yeah>. enough. <laughs> it's always good to try right. to remember like whose show is it in the moment, uh, you know, and like yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, as I was saying, like, it's made it hard for me to have like regular conversations out in the world. I'm really not good at small talk at this point, but I also recognize that sometimes when it's like the day is done, I also turn off all those skills and I become mm. the person who's making it all about me and turning it into the Diana show way sooner than I should. And so, yeah, <laughs> just mm-hmm. think about like, whose show is it? And if it's not my right. show, how can I be inc- helping that person tell me more about their show, not what I know about my show? Right. I yeah. love that phrase. Yeah. Whose I show is it? These are great techniques. I think, I mean, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a common. Get the notepad out. I'm going to have to write a new tip sheet now called Whose Show Is It? <laughs> <laughs> whose show is it? I mean, I feel like a common like desire for humans is to like listen to respond. And like, I, I think that's like antithetical to like this um, uh, tool, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I yeah, like definitely. There's a there's a well. person out there called Celeste Headley, if you haven't heard of mm. her before, and she wrote a book about how to talk and how to listen, and she talks about the difference between a, a shift response and a support response, and she uses the ah. example of grief to highlight the difference between those things, where like a support response is, oh, your dad died, and you could just end there, or you could be like, <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little it. bit about him. And, uh-huh. a supo- and a shift response is, oh, your dad died. Oh, well, my dad died too. Let me tell you about him. Right? Like I shifted mm. the show. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I am a show shifter. I'm a shape-shifting, <laughs> show-shifting, oh story-shifting, uh, power-lifting maniac. <laughs> I, it has helped to, uh, to, get those, to get those tips. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Sorry, Gabby, well, you Jan. had a question, I thought. Well, I was just going to say we are at a little bit of time here. So I just wanted to kind of wrap it up. And since we're on the topic of tips, I kind of just wanted to ask, like, if you have any just like a cohesive like word of wisdom for any griefies listening who just like need some like need some hope to cling to we try to give advice but we're not as you know we're not running a grief group here so (laughs) (laughs) you have like anything that could just maybe bring some levity to the people a little tip i don't know so you want to love you want a tip that's gonna (laughs) bring comedy and levity Mm, let me see about Uh that (laughs) well it doesn't have to be comedic okay you know just a a weight off our dark souls maybe Mm. a little bit we love giving unsolicited advice (laughs) so i mean i just go back to that same thing over and over again is that grief never behaves the way you want or expect it to behave and there can Mm -hmm. be so much frustration and suffering and trying to figure out why it's not behaving the way you want it or expect it to behave rather than just being like hey grief I guess this is how you're going to show up today. What do I need to do in response to that? And the secondary part of that is I think a lot of folks, myself included, aren't always as tuned into what grief looks and feels like when it's needing time and space until Mm. it makes itself known in such a way that we can no longer not give it time and space. And what I've heard from the folks at group is that coming to group is one of the ways that they carve out preemptively time for that grief to be heard and listened to and attended to so that it doesn't kind of come up and kick you out, kick you at the knees. 
not that it won't ever do that again, but that it can be really helpful just <laughs> attend to it on a regular basis, like exercise, right? If you just yeah. don't do anything for a year and then you go hike a 10 mile hike, you're going to be really sore and it's going to be yeah. really unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah. But if you go out and walk every day, it's like, oh, this is just what I do. It's maybe not your favorite yeah. thing to do, but there's like time and space carved out for it. And, mm. and all of that with the mindset is like, none of these things that I'm doing, none of these tips that I'm seeking are here to make the grief go away. It's like right. changing mm-hmm. that mindset. I'm not, it's not about making the grief go away. It's about making space in my life where the grief feels carryable, which is not a word, manageable, integratable. Mm. None of these things are words, <laughs> but you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. that I can live with this grief. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Suddenly I'm seeing my grief as like a little yeah, like, like teddy bear <laughs> that I need to little, hug every day. A stick with a little uh-huh. bag on it. A oh, yours is a, a knapsack? A bindle. Oh, a bindle. Oh, a bindle. I didn't know it's it was called bindle. that. It's good. <laughs> okay, oh well, gosh. mine's a teddy bear. Um, That's well, a great piece of advice. Yeah, that was we beautiful. Have, <laughs> we have uh, three minutes on our impending Microsoft team meeting. Um, so <laughs> so I, I would... I'd uh, just like to thank you, Jana, uh, so much for sharing your time with yeah. us. And, yeah, thank you. Um, for all the listeners, you can find us on deadparentsclub.rip, the website, Dead Parents Club, uh, deadparentsclub.rip, the Instagram, too. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've we've got a lot. Venmo at Dead Parents. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all, these, all these things are happening. Yeah. Jana, yeah. do you have anything you'd like to, to plug? Oh, well, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for what you're doing, creating this little virtual grief support group for people to tune into, bringing that levity. I just really am grateful for this resource that's out there. And if people want a more serious podcast about grief, they can tune into Grief Out Loud. They can come to the Dougie Center's website, dougy.org, learn more about our programs and about our resources that we have available. Amazing. Okay. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Yeah, thank Thanks, you. It was Anna. such a pleasure. <laughs> okay. Bye. Well, all right, okay. grief babies. Bye. Bye. We love you, grief babies. Bye, grief babies. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> okay. Oh, Jesus, Harry, I thought that was it.